What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Jarrett Reddick of the band Bowling for Soup over Zoom video. Jarrett talks about being born and raised in Texas and how he got into music. Jarrett was born and raised in Wichita Falls in Texas, and he talks about how he got into music. He started off as a drummer, and it wasn't until he was about 17 years old that he started playing guitar and uh, singing. He was in a band that didn't have anyone that wanted to sing, so he ended up taking over as a singer and guitar player. He started Bowling for Soup in college. The band relocated to Denton, Texas, where they really had a big following as a band. He talks to us about signing to a major label, signing to Jive, and releasing Let's Do It for Johnny. The huge success of A Hangover You Don't Deserve and kind of going from the alternative pop punk world to a pop band and what that was like. And we also hear all about the new Bowling for Soup record called Pop Drunk Snot Bread, which is a record that the band put together in the Poconos. They took a trip as a band. They hadn't hung out in a while. I mean, it's in the middle of COVID. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell their label. Nobody managers. They just take a trip. And they wrote and recorded this entire record. And he talks about how a lot of it came together, just kind of reminiscing and talking about old times. And it's, it's such a great record. So make sure to check it out. Pop Drunk Snot Bread. And you can watch our interview with Jared on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, we would love it if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Bowling for Soup. Hello, hello. Hey, what's going on? How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Doing fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Sorry, uh, I had to, to uh, reschedule on you last week. It's been oh, it's uh, all good. So many moving parts right now, but uh, it's good to see you. Great to see you as well. I love the new record. I was just uh, listening to it again. Thank you, man. Yeah, Rook, on the on the on the record, there's the voice that comes in. You know, the P break, obviously, and then the public service announcement. That sounds uh, remarkably like Morgan Freeman. Who do you do the? Who does the voice of that? Uh, a guy on Fiverr for about thirty eight bucks. <laughs> Are you serious? That's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah. I use Fiverr for everything, man. It's uh, it's a magical place. It really is. I mean, wow. the, the things that people will do for for five bucks is incredible. <laughs> it's pretty pretty cool. Rad. Well, um, I'm Adam, and this podcast is about you and just a brief background of your your journey in music, and then we'll talk about the new record a little bit. Sounds great. Cool. Um, so I guess first off, you're born and raised in in tech in Texas. Is that what I read? Yeah, born and raised, uh, born in Grapevine, raised in Wichita Falls, and then uh, moved down to Denton um, after we uh, after we started the band, and still still here. You know, uh, don't really have any plans to go anywhere. Okay, did the band officially start in Denton? So we started in Wichita Falls, and uh, really couldn't find an audience there. It's a really small town, and uh, it's pretty much you know it's very clicky. Uh, and so, but we found an audience very quickly in Denton coming down here to play. So it, it was pretty obvious that there was something, um, something with that town and us. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a relationship that still continues today. 
That's amazing. And how did you originally get into music? Musical family at all? No, I mean, ish. I mean, they listened to music a lot, my, my house uh, and in the car. We spent a lot of time in the car back then. And uh, so there's always music playing. Um, and so for that, you know, definitely exposed to that. My brother listened to a lot of music. Uh, my mom would play piano every once in a while, but, uh, you know, it wasn't something that uh, she didn't do it for a living or pursue it as a career or anything. And uh, honestly, man, it's it's a funny story now because it, it it hits so differently than it did when I would first tell the story. But uh, I was in the sixth grade and a kid brought a Walkman to school and uh, I heard Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train for the first time. And it absolutely changed my life. Like, I'll never forget it. You know? And, you know, I, did, I didn't know what Ozzy sounded like. All I knew was he was the Prince of Darkness and he bit the head off of a bat and had people kill puppies and, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> all the horrible things was just this people crazy. made up about him. <laughs> yeah, man. Just, that's all you knew back then. And there was no real grasp on reality because we didn't have social media or anything. So it's just the legend of Ozzy is what I knew. And so it's pretty funny to tell that story now when, like, I uh, last summer, you know, or, or I guess two summers ago when Trolls, the new Trolls movie came out. Oh, was, yeah. My son and his friends are jumping on the trampoline, all singing Crazy Train. And I was just like, gosh, that's, what an interesting juxtaposition this is of like, for sure, covering <laughs> music through him and just being this. And it was and I was like, a, I was a rebel, you know, and I had long hair and I wore Ozzy Osbourne shirts. And now, you know, you hear Crazy Train at every sporting event, including kids sporting events. And mm-hmm. there's my uh, seven-year-old on the trampoline with his friends singing it. So, uh, but, you know, it, it had that kind of impact on me. And I got that album and um, I got Bark at the Moon and Shout at the Devil from Motley Crue on the same day. And oh, there you uh, go. music was just so big and cartoony and crazy back then. It was, you know, the original hip hop because everything was extravagant and, you know, uh, Motley Crue rolling down the Sunset Strip with a with in a limousine with a hot tub in it, you know. It's, sure, it's <laughs> crazy. So, um, yeah, I just kind of had the fever, and and that's that's really what started. I got a drum set for Christmas that year, and so and, you started uh, off on drums. Yeah, I started off on drums. There's a, it's a pretty interesting thing if you if you look at like the amount of frontmen that start out on drums. We were just touring with Lit and AJ was a drummer first, but Steven Tyler and Don Henley and Stacy Jones from American Hi-Fi and mm-hmm. you know, he's Yeah, he's a huge I mean Stacy Jones got his real I mean he was he still is like a legit working drummer. Yeah, <laughs> he's, crazy. he's such a good drummer. It's crazy that yeah, I mean he's well he's in Miley Cyrus's band and yeah. know, he was in Letters to Cleo. Letters to Cleo, yeah. But you know, it's it's crazy how many drummers, you know, start out as drummers. And then I guess there's just some sort of a pull, you know, for maybe it's more attention. I don't know. I never met a microphone. <laughs> I didn't like, man. I, I, um, anytime we walk in somewhere and there's a, someone on a microphone, my tour manager will just look at me and just go, Oh God, you know, because that's that, at some point I'm going to be on that microphone. <laughs> uh, what, so as you, as a drummer, were you in bands as a drummer? And then eventually you're like, I want to learn guitar and kind of write songs. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, so I was a drummer and I uh, played drums in school. So I was in marching band and, and, oh, cool. and, and all of that. And, um, so I played the snare drum in the marching band. I played, uh, the timpani in the orchestra and the symphonic band. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, what first happened was, is we couldn't find a singer and I had kind of sang and played drums on a song or two here and there. And 
I was like, you know, I mean, I can pull. I mean, we're still doing it for fun at the time. So I was just mm-hmm. like, I can pull this off. And you weren't pulling for soup yet. It was just like a no, high no, school no. band we or something. Were, I was a metal. We were a metal band called Terminal Seasons. Okay. And, uh, we were very heavy. And, uh, and you know, we were doing Testament and obituary covers and Slayer and, and that oh, kind rad. Of and, um, you know, but we had a bunch of friends that could play bass and our bass player could play drums. So we just kind of switched around and, and that was that. And then, yeah, um, nobody wanted to write songs. And so, so the second time my life was absolutely changed um, for the better was when I heard The Descendants, uh, this kid that I met in college uh, my freshman year, played me The Descendants. And I was just like, whoa, like they're playing fast and he but he can really sing. And they're singing about farts and girls and like. I know about those things because writing a metal song, you had to have like a medical dictionary to be able to even, you know, to, <laughs> right. so I was, just, you know, I was so, you know, like, wow, again, it, again, it just, and it's, it's just, it was a complete 180 for me of just like, man, I'm this, I'm going to do this. And I could play the guitar parts for a lot of the, you know, because uh, early green day at that point, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Kerplunk days. And then, um, Screech and Weasel is my other favorite band. And oh, like, I love I liked, that band so much. I like Screech and Weasel because I could play the guitar solos and I had never even played guitar before. Re- so like, those are cool riffs, though. I yeah, mean, it, the riffs are. are so good with Screech and Weasel. I love so that good. band. Oh, so great. And uh, I mean, the songwriting is actually really stellar for us, how simple those songs are. Mm-hmm. And um, his lyrics are so clever. Like, um, yeah, yeah, so clever. Yeah. yeah. So are yours, by the way. I mean, oh, it's you, just, man. yeah, like even, I'm listening to the new record. And it just, it's, yeah, it just, obviously it's just you guys. I mean, yeah, like, just just like the, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't even know how to put it another way, but like you hear the record, you're like, this is awesome. This sounds like a great Bowling for Soup record. It's just a Bowling for Soup record. Yeah, man. It's, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I started a band with that kid that played me the Descendants thing. We were together two years and um, the drummer of that band and myself went on to start Bowling for Soup. And um, so you were in college at that that point when when the band yeah, started. Okay, I was in college when and I would just I just finishing college actually when Bowling for Soup started. So me and Chris had, were just graduating with in in uh, in summer '94, and that's when Bowling for Soup started out. So wow, uh, it was um yeah it was. What were you going to school for? If you don't mind me, asking. I went to school for marketing and psychology. Okay, well, did you have like a a career path that you're aiming for? Yeah, I did. I wanted to be a corporate psychologist um, and uh, I wanted to do like, it's like uh, so, so not only just the marketing side, but I, I really wanted to be sort of in the, the HR side of like, uh, like for big corporations, being able to do drug and alcohol counseling and things like that. And, and you know, um, that's, it, it was a big picture kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of my idea. That's cool. That is really cool. And then the band starts and then like, how do you go all in on the band? Like you graduate college. Is it like, okay, like when do you just go, I'm not going to really pursue the, the corporate gig. Yeah. 96, we were playing a show in Abilene, Texas. We were opening up for this band called the hunger and uh, it was huge. It was at like the city Coliseum and there's like 4,000 people there and everybody's sweating and, and they're singing our songs to us. You know, they already knew. Wow. Cause we so had worked pretty out. quick then. I mean, not well, quick, but like for that we, sense of the band, we worked really hard. Um, you know, we, we, we went in guns ablaze. I mean, we started in uh, June 94. We played our first show July 94. We had our first album out by September 
94. Um, and we released two albums in 1996. So we, we were going guns a blazing. And, and so had already kind of established a good following in a lot of these small towns here in Texas. Mm-hmm. But after that show, you know, I, uh, I just said to the guys, I was like, you know, I think I got my finger on the, this thing. I think we, I know what to do. I think we can do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, we released another, so our fourth independent album, and then uh, we got signed to Jive in 99 yeah. and, uh, stayed with them for nine years. When you get signed to a major, I mean, you signed to Jive, a major label, like, what was that like? Like, is it just like, okay, it's finally happening, but I mean, you had four records out. Yeah, it was um, it was a very big wake up call in that it's not like what you thought it was going to be. It wasn't like, oh, my God, now all of our financial problems are solved. And you know, <laughs> basically, we got enough to make our album um, and enough to pay off all the credit cards we had run up touring around. You know, it was 21 grand in credit cards we had and nobody took any money. It was all, you know, th- th- that was it. And then it was a matter of like. Oh, okay. So now you guys got to go play all these radio shows and all this stuff. Only you're not going to get paid. So it was mm-hmm. like we're making less money on a label than we were selling because you know we were selling um, ten. I'll see one album we sold uh, ten thousand copies out of the back of our band, but one of them twenty thousand. That's 000. crazy. I mean, so twenty thousand copies of Rock on Honorable Ones out the back of our band just touring. Oh so my gosh. Pretty good. We were making decent cash as far as like just survival was concerned. Uh-huh. Um, well, but, at that point, like you signed the label and you're making less money. Are you guys thinking like, oh, uh, we, you know, we were selling a ton of records out of our car. Like, did we make the wrong decision here? Or was that never even a thought? It was never really a thought because, you know, in the, in the, there was really, you know, the DIY wasn't, it wasn't as, as clear as it is today, you know, there was no mm-hmm. real way to like get a video out there or anything, right. like that, you know, like, or so, get in a, you know, whatever, uh, blockbuster music, or <laughs> I'm just trying to think sure, of like, like to get into tower stuff. records or something. You could do it. I mean, and we did, I mean, you could get with distribution companies that get your albums into places and we were doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is definitely not the same. I mean, there, there were things that, you know, that we were getting um, it, it never really was there a time where, I mean, it definitely, we would look at it and go, man, I did not expect this to be this way. And there to be like no money, but never were we like, you know, fuck this, you know, right. like, we, <laughs> right. it was more about, I can't believe like, we're playing it, these radio shows. Like, what yeah, is it was really more about just like, let's we're obviously not working hard enough so let's just keep working harder you know mm-hmm. and um yeah and then you know second record we had a hit and you know things things changed pretty quickly after that yeah so you obviously you have a massive song on that record and then when that happens is it just like shows are getting bigger like especially at that time right well, it's two it, years it was... on airplanes after that so when girl the bad guys want was a pop hit it changed the scope of everything because we had been working um, the bitch song and, and the songs off of uh, Let's Do It for Johnny, which was our first jive record, uh-huh. which uh, did we, well. I mean, I mean, we so, like eighteen thousand, I think. I mean, that's so, now that'd be like the number one record on the chart. One hundred percent. I know it was considered a flop, right? It's crazy. Um, it wasn't. It didn't do all that well, but it did well in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. And so. But everything was being worked to rock radio. We were on a metal label in the UK, you know, like, and then all of a sudden, Girl, the Bad Guys went, went pop. Well, everything changed at that point because, you know, the radio shows were way different, way bigger. 
you know, and that's where the label wanted us all the time. So, um, but the, the good thing was, is that since we had a hit, we started to actually get paid. So we could actually, you know, pay our bills mm-hmm. and do these things or whatever. And they were paying for the flights. And so, yeah, it's just a lot of, um, you know, you, you think flying might sound more glamorous to people than the tour bus or, or at the time for us, the van. Uh, it's not, it's brutal. I mean, getting on and off airplanes every single day for two years is brutal. And um, so, you know, but I, mean, and, and I try, I try to explain to people like how much we flew and here's the way that I can put it into perspective where everybody would understand it. I had w- the equivalent of platinum status on four airlines. Oh <laughs> man. I mean, that's how much we flew. Yeah. That's Delta so United. Uh, continental, which doesn't exist anymore in America. Right. And we had oh, status wow. on every single one of them. So it was just that insane. So you're just flying with the different countries constantly or different cities, uh, cities. Like radio shows. Okay. Yeah, radio shows. And you know, most of the time it was the same acts. You know, it was like us and simple plan would be the only bands that weren't singing to track. And then oh, it wow. chingy and uh, you know, Oh sure. I came know. from, I came from radio. I did radio for like 17 years. I remember the, like seeing like simple land and you guys kind of do that crossover. I was like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And now, now it's, it's a lot different in that world. Obviously the, the band will sit on alternative radio. And then if you're Portugal, the man, or like, you know, glass animals, you'll get that one, you know, jump over to, to top 40 radio, but yeah. Yeah. seeing, yeah. Like you guys on those bills, it was just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It was really interesting too, because there were only a handful of us that did it. You know, it was uh-huh. us. Simple plan, all American rejects, um, probably good Charlotte. Yeah, good Charlotte had some hits but on it. Yeah. Even really, you know, I mean, and then if I mean, you know, Blink 182 was sort of like teetering both, you know, at the at the time. But it's for for us and Simple Plan and, and All American Rejects is very much like for a while, once we crossed the pop, the gates weren't opening back up the other way. So it was just like you guys are just a pop band now. And it, you know, it's kind of kind of a bummer from the punk rock side of things, but the, the way that you earn your way back into that is longevity. And now it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we're, we don't take any shit off anybody, you know, it's like, we, yeah. we are, what we are, we all, we all have our successes where we have them, you know? Right. That's interesting. You said, cause I, I interviewed Pierre like right before the pandemic and he was saying the same thing. He's like, do you feel like, he's like, I feel like when we cross over and we're being played on like kiss FM and stuff, like it was hard to jump like if we put out a more like a more rock record, like it was hard to get convinced like the alternative stations that we we're a cool band to like, you know, give us another shot. You're not going to do it. We're not, it wasn't going to happen back then. That was not mm-hmm. even, a, it was never even a thought for us, you know, was that, Oh, we'll go back. To right. It was just like, this kind of music is pop now, you know? So this is what we do, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But uh, yeah. And you know, it's, we, you know, he and I and Chuck and, and my guys have, have talked a lot about that and, you know, in the past. And, you know, at first, I think, it, you know, it, it would sort of hurt your feelings, you know, where you're just like, dude, I mean, this rock station, we like we did a bunch of stuff together. Like, why do you not love me anymore? You know, and it's like, yeah. hey, it, 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 there, there was just this element um, in radio, especially then where. You know, once again, once you went pop, you are 100% not cool enough to come back over here because the guys in the pool hall don't want anything to do with your sissy music, you know? Right, like, right. Yeah. Like, and the lines are so blurred now, which I love. I mean, you look well, at a what's funny is Coachella too, lineup, you're like, huh. <laughs> if you think back to it, though, like where where it was 
15 years before that where like rock radio was Def Leppard and <laughs> pop radio was Def Leppard. You know, it's like, right, right. Why? We got all these lines in the sand, but I love the blurriness of it now. You know, I, so do I, I. I like the blurriness of it in my own genre. I mean, just even people would be like, you know, what do you think about the MGK, the mod sun thing, you know, mm-hmm. Avril Lavigne being like backup and, and being considered pop punk and all this stuff. And I'm like, man, all I can tell you is, it's good for the genre. The genre, the genre is killing right now. Our streams are all up. Everybody's coming to our shows. So I love it. Why not, man? Why not support it? I, you know, I, the only reason he did it, the only reason MGK did this, it definitely didn't. It, in my opinion, I don't think he said, he thought to himself, I'm going to go make all the money. Last time, <laughs> I, think like, I really like this music and John Feldman and Travis Barker want to be on a record with me. And I can't fucking believe that. That's crazy. I'm going to go do it. Right. You know? And he did it and good for him. Mm-hmm. I No, dude, I completely agree. And I love to see the resurgence in pop punk and, and like the emo bands and like the, we were young fest and all this stuff that's happening. And it's like, Whoa, like that's what I was was loving and I grew up on and like to see it kind of come back and make the second wave is so rad. Yeah. And like absolutely. bands like, like Mod Sun and and like you said, uh, MGK, like just seeing these bands kind of come up and it's like, whoa, like this is so rad that kids, younger generations of kids are now like appreciating that. And I'm sure you guys you obviously said with the streaming and everything like that's so awesome and shows. Yeah. And also you know, we got veterans that are doing things. Too. I mean, All Time Low just had that song Monster that was. Oh, on, yeah. I think it was the biggest song like in the history of it's 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 it, it broke some sort of radio record. I'm uh, not surprised. I mean, or, it had like uh, Demi Lovato, like had a, a verse on it at one point And like, yeah, big song, man. You know, and that's uh, again, that's it's all good, man. I I, I never hate. I just congratulate. <laughs> I love that. Well, you guys, I mean, you've been doing this band for nearly what, 30 years ish yeah, years. Yeah. That's and the newest record. You, you just put it out. Like, were you working like what? I know you have a lot of other projects and other things going on, but like, so say the pandemic hits, like when were you, when did you start working on this record? Was it new ish? Cause like the, the one before it was 2016. Yeah, no, we, we had no plans to do an album. We, um, uh, we, in fact, we were, we were just going to be singles only and uh, be single do a single, do a video, do a single, do a video, you know, mm-hmm. do a single, get it up to a million on YouTube, go do another one, you know? <laughs> um, but the pandemic hit and we thrive being together, you know, we're best friends, we're family. And so honestly, after a few months of it being like, dude, when are we all going to hang out? Um, you know, and no, nothing in sight, no shows. What's the best way we can all go somewhere and hang out together for a while? let's go do an album, you know, like, why not? We'll just go. So we got in a tour bus. We went up to the Poconos. Uh, everybody COVID tested. We got a tour bus. We went up to Poconos. We got an Airbnb and a studio where we were completely private and we locked ourselves in those two things and created our own little bubble. And we, um, we made an album, but yeah, there's no, and I think that's, you know, I, I in talking about this record so much over the, over the last, you know, several months, it's obvious to me now that why the album is so reflective, like uh, wouldn't change a thing and getting old sucks. And after all Mm -hmm. these beers and greatest of all time, yeah. where there's so much talk of like our accomplishments and, you know, how much we love each other and how much we love our fans and just being in the band and what we've done. And this is funny and this is funny and whatever. Um, 
I think the ref- that's just what the vibe was because it was like, dude, you know, like this we're we're special enough to each other to just fucking drop everything and go somewhere for a couple of weeks to make a record that we had zero. I mean, our management didn't even know we were doing it, you know. <laughs> Hey, uh, where are you guys? Oh, we're in the Poconos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Make we're making a record. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> hey, what are you doing again? Yeah, we're making an album, you know? And um, so, yeah, it, it um, very, very happy with the way that it came out, too. Oh, to hear you say that, it was like, you know, you guys all getting back together. And like, you can hear now it's all clicking as far as like me listening to the record. And like, it's almost like there's so many like reflective, like reminiscing moments yeah. in the album yeah. that you're talking about. And like, you talk about like, uh, the naked photo from a magazine and then you know it comes back later and you guys are doing it or like that right. and then uh there's like a i forgot what song it is there's like a breakdown and it just like i heard the breakdown and you're you're know you're talking and it just like it took me back to like warp tour like seeing you at warp tour like yeah. uh i can't remember what song it was maybe it was um i don't know but do you know what i'm talking about like it stops and you're kind of like you're you're talking yeah in the, in the breakdown part um, and then the, the story that you're referring to is actually a very true story. And, and I don't mind saying it was Kerrang magazine. Okay. Uh, I didn't know our, if you wanted our, to throw uh, anyone under the bus. Our relationship with them is still great. You know, okay. they've been nothing but amazing to us, but uh, yeah, they sent a, a, someone down. They were just like, Hey, we want to do just some kind of crazy photo shoot or whatever. So we took naked pictures in my kitchen, which happened to be yellow. And it's just like us naked in my kitchen with just food everywhere and all over us and stuff. And then you fast forward, you know, I don't know, 15 years or so. And we're the, they, uh, they elected us the second stupidest band of all time in between Slipknot and Motley Crue, which is great for me. (laughs) And and one of the reasons that was cited was these guys did naked photos in in their kitchen or whatever. It's like, we did that for you guys. Yeah. Your magazine. (laughs) That's what I, uh, that's what I talk about in the, in that, in that song. It's true story. That's so funny. Yeah. I love the record. And then you have the uh, Alexa bliss and the song about June Carter, like all uh, those are all like, I'm I'm digging the album, man. Like, and it, like yeah. I said, it just sounds like you guys were just kind of, was it one of those things where you're all hanging out and just kind of like reminiscing on old times and like, Oh, we should write, write something down. Right. Like, is that kind of how the record came together? Well, I just, I wrote it before we went. And so oh, I really, guys, whenever we were there. And um, so I, I did, I wrote um, about half of it, you know, sitting in here and then, and then uh, uh, another several songs I wrote with Linus of Hollywood, who co-produces everything with me and, and co-writes a lot of BFS and other projects stuff that I'm, that I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, then one was Zach Malloy, who um, ended up co-writing my entire uh, country record and producing that for me. Oh, um, wow. And so, uh, but the rest of it, you know, again, all of that was done here in the two months leading up to, to going and uh, just getting there and being like, yeah, we got a, I, I got a full album here, guys. Like, here's, here's the songs that we're going to record. So, um, but yeah, again, a lot of it coming off of the fact that, you know, we were in such a good place and it's such a triumphant point in our career where our, our audiences are still getting bigger and, and all of that. And we just had some really successful tours. And then all of a sudden, hey, you guys uh, are just going to chill for a couple of years. And so, you know, I think that's where, you know, being able to just shout it out from the rooftops of like, you know, the way that I feel about our band and, mm-hmm. and that, um, you know, it just made sense. I love it, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, yeah, for doing man. this. 
Dude, thank you. Anytime, man. I uh, I really appreciate the the questions and stuff, dude. I uh, I thank you. Uh, I have one more quick one for you before I let you go. Uh, all right. Uh, do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Yeah, and then they all hate it when I say this. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody wants to jump into the van and go and and do it old school, and unfortunately, that's just not the way of the world anymore. Um, you know, we're twenty years out of that. Um, Got to build the socials, and I know you get sick of hearing it, but um, that's that's the way. You know, that's the new getting in the van. So surround yourself with good people who not only have uh, you know the same same musical interest in you, but but people who sort of live the same way as you as well. Because uh, you know, as things get busier and busier, you spend a lot of time with you.